You're listening to the Spirit Hunters on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Check us out and our new friends at greenlistpodcast.com. Greetings! Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode... 21 of the Spirit Hunters. This is Hannah, Joe, Sarah, and Patrick, aka Real Mike. Patrick. Aka Patrick, and Patrick, aka Real Mike Local. <laughs> Check in. Drop a bomb on it. <laughs> wah wah wah. <laughs> Okay, so last time we went back to our roots and watched a little Yu Hakusho with our good friend Marcus of the Yu Hakusho Corps. This time we are back at Hunter Hunter, ramping up with the Heaven Serena arc and learning about the ever mysterious Nen. Ooh, spooky noises. You better get ready. <laughs> Okay, you said spooky noises. Of course, of course. <laughs> hey, spoilers for everyone, but uh, for me, this is where the series actually begins, so get hype. Ooh. Joe and his incorrect opinions yet again, but you know, we still love him, even though he's wrong. <laughs> All right, so we'll sh- we are starting out with episode 27, or as Netflix likes to call it, season two, episode one, Arrival at the Arena. It was originally released in Japan on April 15th, 2012, and it aired on Toonami in the U.S. on November 12th, 2016. Um, The equivalent manga chapter is 46. Um, This chapter was released in Japan on April 12th, 1999, and the equivalent 1999 episode is episode 38, which was released in Japan on September 9th, 2000. Heaven's Arena time. Gon and Kyula want to get stronger, but they're also broke, you know? I think we all ran into these issues here and there, right, guys? Oh, yeah, <laughs> especially at their age. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, don't I think mean, I was rich by any means. Didn't have an allowance, kept on losing my Christmas money. <laughs> Needed to find my father. <laughs> yeah, hard stuff. But, you know, guys, I think something that we've all done to try to get more money is join a arena fight club and beat the hell out of people to get a lot more money when we were kids. Right, guys? I mean, we all all had our, our little our little uh, areas, you know, part-time jobs and stuff where we've been killing people in arenas when we were like 12, right? You know? Yeah, <laughs> totally. I'd say it's better than joining an MLM. <laughs> so why not? Yeah, I mean... I mean, at least you do something useful Useful when you join this. You kill people, so I guess that's good. I Legitimately, weird. I actually had a friend growing up who, at the age of 12, his dad basically said he had to get a job as a like, condition of him staying at his house. Jesus Christ, at 12? It's a, yeah, uh, weird dude. Um, he's a family friend, cool guy, but also very, very, very strict. And one time when me, his son, and my brother failed at making a campfire in his backyard, he said, cavemen learn to make fire. Are you guys dumber than cavemen? <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. Just joking. Yes. Anyways. But no, that, that's pretty fucked up. <laughs> Wait, well, how are you making fire? Is it like 
Is it like you're putting like gasoline all over it, or is it like you're trying to do it like the old fashioned way, like put the we sticks? We were trying to do it the old fashioned way, but it was like the day after a rainstorm, and we all knew how hard this was to do, but we were just like, ah, we've made fire before, fuck it, let's try it right now. Did your did did it, your his dad know how to do it, and you guys did? Oh yeah, or? he's like a consummate outdoorsman, which is why he felt comfortable insulting our ability, our inability to make a fire. Okay, because I thought it was like some random, like he's like somebody that didn't know anything about. Is like you guys don't know how to make a fire because I know you know people like oh they don't understand like oh it's wet it's gonna take a little bit longer but they should they should just done my dad's approach and just douse it with lighter fluid and throw a match on it. Oh no no he he's someone who knows what he's doing and like yeah he I think he showed us up the next day. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, it's kind of kind of kind of shitty, but like I said, next time just get the lighter fluid and throw it on there like, you know, my good old dad did, you know. It's same same end result at the end of the day. <laughs> I like how this is actually going to somehow build into the theme of this episode with the idea of fire. Anyways, continue, man. Yeah, anyways, so speaking of fire, um this episode was really good and I really enjoyed it. No, but um but basically, to make the money that they need, instead of getting a summer job, they decide to climb the Heaven's Arena Battle Tower, which suspiciously looks like the Bearish Khalifa, not to be confused by the Wiz Khalifa. But uh, basically, the higher you go, the more money you make. So it's kind of kind of reminds me of that I don't know you guys watched Spider Man One, where he fights he fights him in the thing. It's kind of yeah. like that, except oh, like the pro wrestling thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A little bit. Yeah, kind of like that. And I won't go into that. You guys watch Spider-Man 1. But essentially, there's 251 floors. The first floor looks like an actual martial art tournament, a la like Dragon Ball, like with the... What was that? Well, the first tournament they had? where it's The World the Martial Jackie Arts Chan, Tournament. Yeah, when they had that. So multiple mats spread out with multiple fights going on, sparse crowds, and mostly other competitors waiting for their turn to beat the hell out of the other competitor. At six years old, Killua's daddy dropped him off without any money and told him not only to come home once he reaches the 200th floor, but it took him two years to do that. So uh, that must have been awkward. But to be honest, he was a master assassin at that point, so I don't think he had any issues doing that. But yeah, I mean, did you guys has you guys' dad ever do that to you? Just drop you off at a martial arts tournament to you know beat the hell out of each other until you make money? for two years yeah. no yeah. <laughs> and, um. and i'm trying to think of like because like when you hear about pro fighters like when they started f- like doing martial arts and stuff i think the youngest i've ever heard was like four but like generally it was just like against other kids as opposed to like full-grown uh-huh. adults but you do hear every once in a while in russia you do hear about like kids who were like four years old like taking down like way bigger opponents and like wrestling like young bears and shit like that Man, they probably really got good with their full quarter circle combos. Yeah, you mean full like full circle combos? Yeah, they're full circle combos, you know, that you have to do a full circle to do the grab. The yeah. power driver. Yes. You know. Yes. And sometimes you just spin around, yell red cyclone. It's good. Yeah, Zangief. Anyways, uh anyways, the first round is the assessment round. The matches last three minutes each. And Kilo gives great advice to push hard since God made it through the testing gates. I mean, it's sort of like one of the uh, the Karate Kid things. It's like wax on, wax off, except push open the door and just shove them. So Gon just basically pushes all his massive opponents and throws them across the room into a concrete wall. And surprises everyone, including Gon. But, you know, after pushing the door for forever, I guess maybe that helps. Especially with a broken arm. 
But the thing that's really confusing is that in the manga, they he, they each did it. So it doesn't make sense for Gon to get that ability when he had like three other people help him push the door open, you know? Wait, in the in the manga, each of them individually did it, right? I thought that's... Yeah, I could have, that's, that's oh, okay. why it's confusing is because Gon pushed the door oh, open the with all three of them in the anime. Yeah, the anime. yeah, in the anime it is kind of weird. So that, that it's kind of a, disc, a, a, a continuity issue with, in that regards. Yeah, but, I still think that was a weird, unnecessary choice they made for the anime. The yeah. 2011 anime. They're building friendship, guys. Power of friendship. <laughs> the <Lol>. power. <laughs> um, yeah, so just like a little note. Um, if you guys, we, we spoke about the first World Martial Arts Tournament in Dragon Ball. Um, this may or may not actually be a reference to that, where uh, basically during Goku's first match, he dodges a huge guy's attack, and then just like the, the guy thinks he's killed Goku. He's like, oh, no, I killed a child. And then Goku's like, I'm all right. And just taps him on the back of like on the back of his leg. And the guy goes flying out of the ring. And he's like, oh, my God, maybe we're stronger than we think. Yikes. But that's pretty much a Dragon Ball in a nutshell, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Maybe we're stronger than we think. Also, uh... <laughs> basically screaming into a microphone. The series. Why not? By M. Night Shyamalan. Anyways, uh, anyways, yep, uh, just pushes hard. Killer uses chop and gets placed on the 180th floor, having been to the 200th floor previously. He denies take it slow, but we really know it's, it's so him and Gon can hang out more, so he can hang with his best buddy, and they can, like, hold hands, beating the hell out of each, each people, and getting their money. <laughs> you know, you it's know, very you know, Goku Krillin. Actually, yeah, I got. I told. I was gonna point that out. Is that I really got Dragon Ball, uh, Krillin vibes on this, like the whole training with Master Roshi. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was kind of funny. You know, it could be could be a, a reference, or maybe you know, just a what's that called? A trope. I I think it's a direct reference. Like Gon is supposed to be young Goku in many ways. Yeah, he does. He does have that thing, and then of course, uh, Killua with his more cynicism. Yep. So good reference. Lots of. Lots of referencing, but I would would have loved to see a a Yusuke and, and Hiei team up thing. That'd be kind of fun. That would be. But anyways, on the notes, oh, sh- Zushi studies the Shin Shingren Ryu technique and is impressed. Oh, uh, you just mentioned who Zushi is. We we didn't. Oh, so yeah. I don't know why that that was in there. Basically, Zushi is this li- little adorable little kid in his gi. He also advanced to the fiftieth floor. And Zushi meets our boys in the elevator up to the fiftieth floor. Oh, so basically, you know, he just this little kind of kid. They don't know much about him. Just, you know, oh, well, this cute little kid's gonna fight with us, or you know, we might fight him. Uh, so, did you want to go into this cultural notes for the Osu, Osu, Osu? You know the Os. Yeah, no, I mean, there's multiple ways of pronouncing it. Like, the most common ways are os and os. Like, depends on, like, how you're, how and why you're saying it. But, um, as, you know, Patrick was mentioning, Zushi studies, uh, Shingen Ryu, which is a style of martial arts in the series. But, uh, we're going to talk a little about, about, uh, os. You guys have heard this phrase before, or? Yeah. Uh, probably from a, f- a bunch of fighting games. Mm hmm. Uh, Sarah, where have you heard it? I think that's where I heard it, too. And I think maybe from a rhythm game. <laughs> Oh, Os Tatakai Oendon? I think mm-hmm. so, yeah. Yeah, the one that became Elite Beat Agents in the States? Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah, okay, yeah, no, cool. Um, I think I heard it from there and also, like, a lot of karate stuff. Um, I briefly did, like, a couple classes of Kyokushin karate and got my ass kicked really hard. 
Um, but uh, I decided to look into the phrase um, because Megan had listed that she was unaware of like the etymology of it, and um, I, I decided to look it up. Also, I listened to um, you know our friend podcast, uh, Say the X, and they talked a little bit about it, and I want to explore the deep roots of it because um, they kind of like touched on some derivation, but I found like a deep history to it, which surprised me, frankly. So os was originally a very informal contraction of the phrase Ohio gozaimasu, meaning, you know, like good morning. Um, and it was initially used as a greeting by junior students to other juniors at the uh, Budo Senmon Gako, which was a martial arts school, uh, which was made in Japan during the early 1900s to meet the needs of the development of martial arts and physical education curriculum uh, with Japanese characteristics to match uh, the or exceed European equivalents. Patrick has included the notes, Ohio, as in the state. Um, yeah, no, a bunch of uh, anime cons in the state of Ohio all use that pun, you know, like Ohio gozaimasu, but spelling it, you know, like Dang the state it. and stupid shit like Dang that. It. So I'm not original then? <laughs> who is? Damn no it. one is, really. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the next part of the transition to how it kind of came into its current meaning was, uh, have you guys ever heard of the concept of ateji? I'm probably mispronouncing that. It's probably like ateji. So it's basically the use of previously unrelated kanji to match the phonemic value of a word or phrase that lends it a greater air of legitimacy and perhaps a new contextual meaning. So basically, you have a phrase that is spelled in kana. If you give it uh, new characters, it will like kind of change the meaning, but you can say like, oh, they're related or something like that. Like mm -hmm. if you look at the ancient Japanese word for Japan, which is wa, which is like still pretty commonly used actually, uh, insert jokes about wa and, uh, and the like right here. But, uh, so when Japan was originally called Wa, it was called that by envoys from China who, um, the word Wa in middle Chinese meant like dwarf or like crippled, um, because they referred to the Japanese people as like, uh, subservient to the Chinese envoys. And so, um, Japan kept that name for a while until, like, they're like, yo, we need to fucking change this. So they changed the character from Wa for dwarf to Wa for harmony. And so Japan became known as, like, you know, a, a place of harmony. Um, another when example become, is... When did it become Sunshine, Sunshine Land? Uh, so that's another name. I forget how the term for that derived, but, like, yeah, the name uh, Nippon means, like, sunroot or, like, origin of the sun. Um, and that name is also used in China for it as well. Like, I think there it's like Ruben, something like that. Um, but uh, if you want another more concrete example in English, that's kind of easier to understand. Um, have you guys ever heard the Wu-Tang Clan song, Cream? Totally. Cash rules everything around me. <laughs> yeah, so basically in that song, they propose a new derivation for the word cream. Like when you used to say, I'm making cream, it was like, oh yeah, I'm making money. But they're like, yeah, cream actually stands for cash rules everything around me. So think of it like that. Is it kind the of like reason OPP? I bring this up, sorry, is it kind of like OPP? Uh, no, because OPP was always an acronym, um, rather than cream, which became an acronym. This is a process that in English is called backronym. Yeah, um, looking at the notes, I thought when you were saying ancient Chinese, uh, cult, uh ancient Chinese music, ancient Chinese something, I thought you were say, gonna say the ancient Chinese band Wu Tang Clan and make some <laughs> stupid. Yes, joke. the original Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> Um, they they are something to fuck with. <laughs> no, actually, if you watch the old kung fu movies based on them, they are not. Didn't um, they like do? Uh, we'll, we'll get into that later. Never mind. 
No worries, no worries. Um, but yeah, so uh, by using Ateji or Ateji, however it's pronounced, uh, Ohio Gozaimas was eventually changed to two different characters, which are for push and endure. Where the first character O uh, is for push and is a it's a word for push coming from the Chinese word for like to sign, aka like to press ink to paper to sign something, mm-hmm. and the second character Su means to endure. And uh, it's probably on purpose, but both pronunciations are kunyomi, a.k.a. the Japanese-originating pronunciations of these characters and not the Chinese-originating pronunciations. And this was because this new character form for it was made during a period of incredibly strong Japanese nationalistic fervor. So they probably went out of their way to use Japanese-only pronunciations of Chinese characters to say that they have, like, subsumed China because this is at a time where they're fighting wars with China regularly. And so, uh, curiously, the standard pronunciations of the second character are Nin, Jin, Shino, Oshi, and here's the interesting one, Shinobu, a.k.a. it is literally the same kanji used in the character of Shinobu Sensui. Wow. What a, uh, what a callback. Yeah. Kind of weird. Um... So normally I'd stop the explanation here, but since this is Ateji, uh, the post facto meaning, aka like the assigned meaning, is usually very important to the concept. So in the original Old Chinese for uh, for the for the initial symbol, there is a thing called uh, Nyun, which is a character meaning blade, and it's on top of the character for heart. So here endure is basically like make your heart into a blade. And uh, because people think about these puns very deeply when they assign kanji to things that were not initially kanji. So when people say os, it's kind of like telling themselves like, oh, yeah, I'm going to endure this. But also like I'm sharpening myself and preparing myself for like some great feat. So it's, and, just, uh, it's essentially the English English version of get let's get uh, let's get fit, bro. Kind of. Yeah. So I would I would finally sum it up as like it's effectively good morning. Push yourself to a sharpened heart if you wanted to fully expand all of its poetic connotations. I think that's going to be my new my new saying when walking to work. Hey everyone, good morning. good morning. Push yourself to a sharper heart today, guys. <laughs> They'll be like, "Is that is that from the Bible?" You're like, "You could say that." <laughs> yes. Anyways, that's much. it for that. It's from my Bible. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the book of Hunter Hunter. Uh, that's wake up every morning, reading the good book. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is quite a good series of books, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, blasphemy. <laughs> Anyways, uh, they meet Zushi's teacher, w- w- Wing Wang. What, how did you it's, pronounce it's it? Wing. Wing. Okay, I was worried there was some pronunciation thing. I don't want to end up calling him Wang for this entire time, and it wasn't right. So, just just some real quick thing on his his name in Kana is Wingu, like U I N G U, but that same thing as a Chinese name is Wing, which is like a valid Chinese name. And I'm 99.9999% sure that Wing is supposed to be an analog of Chinese. Yeah. Actually, it's kind of funny because like in the car community, when someone has a giant Wing on their thing, it's like, wow, look at their giant Wang. The giant <laughs> All right. thing. Yeah. <laughs> like like those giant guys, like the Fast and Furious movies, putting those giant Wangs on the back of their freaking cars. And it's like... This oh, I think said card community, so I was really Car, confused. Sorry, cards, like drawing. Sorry, not drawing. Driving, sorry, like, you know, Fast and Furious stuff. Okay, I was, again, very confused, but continue. The big wangs. Anyways, uh, they meet their teacher wing and collect their 100, 152 jenny, which I guess is a currency from Harry Potter, specifically. <laughs> Damn. 
But uh, he, he only has one. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, I guess it's like Zenny, Jenny. I guess it's kind of a pun on that, maybe. Yeah, I think it's just taking Yen and then just like, oh, fucking change the character, I guess. Yenny. Just like yeah. right away at the end of it. But anyways, they get their 152 Yenny. Uh, the 50th floor gets 50K and the 100th floor gets 1 million. So that's a lot of candy bars. Just uh, for some perspective, I'm pretty sure the value of Jenny is supposed to be equivalent to yen. So take these as pennies. So one like so one million yen is still a lot of money, but it's not one million dollars. It's one one hundredth one million dollars, which would be ten thousand. That's a, that's about a year of any college in America. So yeah, if you need to fight for your, if you need to fight to death to get to your college, you know, just do that. Nice. But anyways, uh, Killer said he won 200 mil and lost it all on snacks. Uh, my God. And it actually is indeed shown in the manga, but it, sh- it, sh- it shows that... Uh, remember we talked about that thing, like the, the meme with Killua with that little toy or whatever? Choco Robocoon? Yeah, that's what they showed on in the, in the, in the, uh, the anime in his room. He just had a bunch of those. Nice. In the manga, though, it was just a bunch of specific snacks, like just generic, like snack things like lollipops and stuff good shit but i'll get back and get into that in a little bit uh zushi versus Killua up next the crowd decides zushi has the upper hand uh <laughs> which is a unfortunate mistake because they're gonna lose a bunch of money in betting and hopefully they don't have to fight in this arena to get it back if you know what i'm saying uh Killua is hella confident and attempts to one-chop zushi per usual but zushi doesn't give up there's a point. There's also a point system, and if he hits ten points, it's a technical knockout or a TKO. Uh, basically, which technical knockouts for you don't know is basically technically the, he he got knocked out. He got the knockout win, but he didn't actually get physically knocked out. It's just like the the point system with the judges. It's similar in boxing, as well. Yeah, boxing and MMA use a similar rule. Yeah, but we we'll talk more about Joe Rogan later on this podcast. But anyway, special guest Joe Rogan. Rogan yeah. Uh, you guys do, uh, do, uh, no. Uh, but Killua keeps chopping, but Zenny keeps getting up and just, he just keeps hitting him. He's like, I can't believe this guy isn't going down. This is ridiculous. I keep hitting, chopping this kid and he's just not going. And then Zushi does a mini kata and changes his stance and starts emitting an aura, a la Hamon, that, that basically shocks Killua and sends him retreating. And you hear Master Wing yell at Zushi for using it, telling him to stop it and cut it out. Uh, then we cut to Killua coming out of the elevator, taking longer than Gon thought. Killua says Zushi was weak, but c- still couldn't knock him out, so he won by a TKO. Uh, the technique Zushi used was Ren. Killua overhears Zushi apologizing to his master when they're talking around the corridor and tries to figure out what's going on. Uh, Killua and Gon win every other match with a one hit until the 100th floor, but Killua warns that it gets tricky on the 100th floor, but basically gives unnecessary advice since the next hunt floors are just as easy. They're raking in the cash. They're just uh, big money Sylvia, Sylvia going on right now. So Wait, what big is big money, money Sylvia? Big money Sylvia. But uh, Zushi is still on the 50th floor and they're curious about Ren, so they ask him. According to Zushi, Zushi Ren is a part of the four disciplines of the funda- on, the foundation- on the foundations of every martial arts, known as Ten, Zetsu... Ren and then Hatsu, Nin training. But to be honest, I still think Shotokan Karate is beats all of those, to be honest. <laughs> Two Street Fighter references in one, eh? Nice. <laughs> but anyway, oh, anyways, uh, 
Kill was determined to learn the Nen because his brother. Kill was determined to learn Nen because of his brother and demands Wing teach him. Oh shoo! And then the new ending thing comes and it's a banger like always. Did you guys have you guys uh, been listening to the ending themes as they as they come up? Mm-hmm. Yep. Hannah, Sarah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I really like them. Me too. I this is maybe this is one of my two or three favorite ones from the series. I love this one. D- isn't this when they start the uh, the the Hunterspedia as well, or did that start? Yeah, this is when they start the Hunterpedia. Um, I, gotcha. I didn't watch 2011 this time. So, do you guys remember what the Hunterpedia was this time? Was I think it, just it was about. It was just Sorry. them being silly. Uh, there's a lot of a uh, lot of a uh, killer with cat eyes, which I always love him with his little cat eyes. <laughs> nice, very cute, very cute, very cute. Uh, before we move on to the manga, uh, Hannah and Sarah, do you guys have any thoughts about um, this episode? Yeah, um, for me, I really like, because I know with Tagashi's works, we always have a lot of tournaments, and this is also like a continuation of, like, yeah, tournament episodes, tournament arcs, but um, I like the idea of, like, the ranking system where instead of, you know, with every battle, you level up one by one it's like level levels up by 10 so um it kind of gives makes the stakes higher as well so like jumping all the way from like level one to level 50 because you managed to knock out your opponent with one push or a karate chop so um it kind of speeds up the whole thing because you know with a lot of tournament arcs and a lot of series it's like one or two battles at a time and it's really slow so I like this aspect a lot. It's fun. It's different. Um, I think Zushi's so cute. And he's so small. <laughs> he's so, small. He's so small. Must protect. Must Do you want protect. to say cute about him? What? I I need to look this up. I think this is the case, though, that his name might actually use the old characters for the word sushi, which oh. without being in compound words was just pronounced Zushi. Oh my god, that's cute. cute. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what they they call it in German is sushi. <laughs> yeah, so um, sushi, depending on how it's combined into other words, can either be said sushi or sushi. Mm-hmm. Like, um, oh god, uh, basically, just like if you say like uh, any combo of it with it being one compound word, it turns into a z. Uh, we've talked about this phenomena before, the idea of rendaku. But yeah, uh, so sushi is a little cute sushi boy. <laughs> he really is though. His um eyebrows look like little like little nori sheets. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yo, that's some rock leaf shit going on. <laughs> yeah. I have really liked this episode so far. I think um like Hannah mentioned the quicker pace of the tournament style is refreshing, especially since you do get to see and understand the rules of like the tournament itself, but you're not kind of bogged down by having to see each individual fight. Yes. Um, yeah. So it, it's nice. It's a nice change of pace and the whole idea of the power system and slowly kind of unveiling the different things that, I don't know, the series has to offer is really cool. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how things will progress even further. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, I have some thoughts regarding the tournament setup, but I'll talk about that once we talk about manga in 99. Patrick, take it away. 
Alright, so the manga dindums. Uh, the tower looks less like the bearish Khalifa in this version. Uh, I don't know if maybe they tried to make it more based off of that building, because in the manga it looked nothing like it. But this one, the 2011 manga looked just like it, the Burj Khalifa, oh, so I'm thinking... Oh, shoot. I took a what? screenshot of the 99 one, so I'm now wondering if the 99 one looks like the Burj Khalifa. Probably not, because the Burj Khalifa didn't really uh, didn't really exist until, I think, the the uh, mid-2000s when they started It might have already it. been planned, and he might have wanted it to look like the tallest building, so I'm going to look this up. But, like, yeah, that's really interesting that they changed the form of it. Just keep going, and I'll look it up in the background. Gotcha. Sounds good. Gilloa uh, says Gon should boost his ranking by putting down 10 years combat experience. So I guess it was kind of different than the show where they didn't have that. It's mostly just them joining and saying, oh, we'll just do it this level. Uh, Gun and Kula mentions being self-taught fighters. I don't think they mention anything like that in the in the the anime at all. Uh, Kula mentions getting snacks and his earnings. Um, I mentioned that earlier, but he said that. The, but there wasn't any that the um the the toys that they the the meme references for that is just regular regular sort of snacks like generic looking ones. Uh, and the interesting one that I liked a lot was that they showed a comic about how ta- how Tagashi came up with the name Hunter Hunter. Uh, he said he loved collecting things and wanted to create a manga titled Something Hunter. Um, when he was watching TV one of these days, he saw he watched it, he saw the TV show where the he watched a TV show where the people were making a joke that kept repeating themselves, and at that point he decided to call it Hunter Hunter. And he and he demonstrated that in this little comic that he made with him talking to his wife, who he he, uh, he references as Princess Noko, which I think is really cute. I got a really funny, weird connection that I would not have expected. But you know how you mentioned that he was watching a Japanese comedy show? Yeah. So the name of that show is Downtown, or it might be a show put on by the group Downtown. Mm-hmm. But um, I was telling the everyone off mic that I was watching this show that's a couple seasons old now called uh, Documental, which is about a bunch of Japanese stand-up comedians getting together for a reality show competition. One of the dudes is from that show. So I might have watched the person who may have inspired the name of Hunter Hunter. Irony. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. World's small. Yeah, but it's a really cute comic. I'll put it down below, and I'll probably put it in a post. Post it. Post it, yeah. But it's really cute. Uh, I love love how he draws his little wife, his little bunny, and and names are Prentice Naoko, which I think is really cute. Yeah, no, she's a cute bunny. He's just like this derpy-looking dog. Yeah, relationship goals for sure. And then this has the characters. I'll post that up as well. I always liked how they had the the reminders for the characters and like who they are. Oh, There's a little manga. more backstory. Yeah, in the manga. So, do you want to start the ninety nine notes, Joe? Yeah, man. Uh, so in ninety nine, there is a scene uh, where it shows Netero in, tradi- in a traditional tea garden talking with Bean, discussing the prospects of the different graduates. And uh, when they mention like, there's some people who might have already passed quote unquote the secret hunter exam. It talks about it shows Hisoka and Illumi. Like, ooh, wonder what that could be about. Um, and then, you know, the others, it just kind of shows them, like, going where they're going. Like, um, it doesn't really give too much away, but it does show, like, oh, each of the different characters is going in a different direction. So, uh, Gon and Kilua are definitely at a PC terminal inside of the airship, and it looks exactly like the manga version's PC terminal from, like, the last section, which is kind of interesting. Um, so, you know the part where Kilua told Gon to push hard? In this version, they don't show him say the line. They just show him whisper to Gon of, quote-unquote, what to do. And then they end up revealing that it was just push. I don't know why they made that change. 
But um, while Kilua is fighting, Gon tells the crowd to cheer for Kilo, and everyone does it because they're intimidated by Gon's having pushed everyone. So I thought that was cute. Like, you know, like, cheer for my buddy, or I'll fucking kill you. But that part's not actually there, but they're like, oh, it's, it's there. Should be. Yeah, so in this version, they mention Kilo has spent 200 million Jenny on snacks, but in this case, they show Choco Robocoon. The so it like when Patrick described it as a toy, that's kind of right. It's like an Easter bunny, basically, but a, like a robot. So it's chocolate molded into the shape of a robot. Awesome. They should have some of those in real life. I bet in Japan they did. I wouldn't be surprised, even if it wasn't official Hunter Hunter stuff. It might have actually predated it and might have inspired it, just with how much Japan loves robots. So in this version, three dudes come up to challenge the kids who are who they the the three dudes say like oh the two kids are like speaking too highly of themselves and then it pans up and it's the Amori brothers and then like when they realize that it's gone Kilo they're like oh fuck so um while Kilo fights Zushi Gon beats the shit out of the Amori brothers like he just pushes one of them and like pushes him into the other two and they all go flying out of the ring at the same time it's cute it didn't need to be there it doesn't really add anything but it is cute. Um, so in this, they show that Kilua had bought a literal pallet of Choco Robocoon, uh, which him and Gon have a fight over because Gon's like, why are you wasting your money on Choco Robocoon? And like, Kilua says like, it is not a waste of money. And then he puts Gon in like a really exotic wrestling hold that is really common, even in a really uncommon, even in pro wrestling. It's called a uh, Romero special. Look it up. It's pretty crazy. Uh, I Yikes. put it on the Facebook page. It's a weird one, but I, I posted this to some um, like Spanish language uh, hunter hunter groups, and everyone was like, "Oh my god!" Like, because a lot of people one saw ninety nine, and two people who watch lucha were like, "This is perfect." <laughs> so, is that when the ship sailed at that point? Uh, no, the ship sailed much earlier, man. Um, so Gon's sadness at Gon's sadness at uh, this is what inspires them to talk with Wing and or Zushi in this version. So this non-canonical scene is supposedly what inspires Gon to talk with Wing and Zushi. Yeah, but I kind of like it because it shows off, you know, their kids when you boil it down to the nitty gritty of the things, you know? For sure. It, it's very cute. Like, I don't think it detracts anything for it being extra. Mm-hmm. So... Earlier, I mentioned the idea that there is, like, a little bit of a, um interesting thing here with the tournament format. So I think uh I was originally planning on doing a cultural lesson about this, but I decided not to because it would take way longer than anything we could do. But uh during the late 90s, Japan was going through, like, an MMA boom, uh, collectively called the Kakutogi boom. So it was happening throughout the 90s. But basically... um Japanese tournaments for both MMA and kickboxing went from being single night things to being like series. And so you see that reflected in Hunter Hunter by going from the dark tournament structure to a more analogous to modern prize fighting structure, whereby there are scheduled dates for individual fights and you have them over the course of a long time. So tournaments can happen, but they're like rarer versus having like longer scheduled prize fighting, uh, inter, inter team organized, uh, fight dates. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with this episode. Uh, it has like a pretty cool name in Japanese, but that would take too long to explain. Just look up the characters for it. Cause like the character for arena in Japanese actually has a pretty cool history. Yeah. Uh, does anyone else have know. anything to say about uh, this episode or should we head to ads? Let's go to ads. Okay, and now a word from our stablemates. 
Fans of video games, history, or video game history will definitely want to listen to Retronauts. Each week, Bob Mackey and myself, that's Jeremy Parrish, dive into the stories behind the greatest games of the past and the history behind the hits of today. Check us out every Monday on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Come on in. What can I get you? Sure, I've heard of Hair of the Dogcast. They're that podcast about video games and beer. From the latest gaming headlines to diving deep into the games of yesterday to sampling and reviewing craft beer from all over the world, Hair of the Dogcast is here for the gamer and beer lover in all of us. Available weekly on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Now on to episode 28, or as Netflix likes to call it, season 2, episode 2. Nen and Nen. It was originally released in Japan on April 22nd, 2012, and aired on Toonami in the U.S. on November 19th, 2016. Uh, the equivalent manga chapters are 46 and 47, which were released in Japan on April 12th, 1999. The equivalent 1999 episode is 38, um, and that was released in Japan on September 9th, 2000. Cool. Let's get technical. <laughs> so we have the Wings first lesson. Um, we start off with Nen, which basically fires the... It's the power that fires our soul, the strength of your will. Underneath are the four exercises that strengthen said will. So you have 10 or point, which is the focus of focusing the mind on a single point. You have zetsu, tongue, to put into words. You have ren, temper, to intensify, to intensify your will. And then you have hatsu, which is release, to release it into action. Um, so for example, in the anime, it so shows Zushi tempering his refusal to lose during the battle with Kilowa, and it's gives giving off that similar vibe to Illumi when during that when Illumi was showing Nen basically, and like Kilowa was like creeped out by that. Um, yeah, and so Wing demonstrates Ren staying calmly. I'm going to kill you now. And um, Kilowa's like, sure, but you won't be able to. Um, so first, um, Wing does 10. So he focuses his mind on killing Kilowa. Then he does Setsu, which is the second step. Either saying out loud or in his mind, he will say that he will kill, expressing that intent. And then you see like a purple aura surrounding Wing. Then the third step is Ren, intensifying the will, um, basically pushing that will outwardly. And you see, we see like this purple tentacle like haze surrounding the boys. Um, the Ren portion freaks out Kiloa enough to make him jump away, like kind of like a feral cat and he's like cl- clinging to the ceiling, to the wall. Um, Wing says that Ren is akin to bluffing, so it hardens what is soft, and you find it impossible to correct an incorrect idea. Wing says that they need to train their souls, and you can't use Ren until that is completed. Kilua isn't buying it, and he like leaves off in a huff. Um, back in the room, we see. Zushi asking Wing, why did he lie to Gon and Kiloa? 
Um, a plot twist is that Wing was actually explaining Nen Flame as opposed to um, Ren. Um, which no, is, it's as opposed to Nen, like basically uh, two different characters. Right, sorry. So he's like explaining two types of Nen. So he's explaining Nen, the flame, as opposed to Nen, the mind force. The kanji differs. Sorry about that. Um, Ling was using flame Nen as a hint because he can't teach the real Nen to, um, to like people who aren't students. So, um, yeah. Anyway, so Nen is too dangerous to teach to the wrong people. Wayne demonstrates this by emitting Nen in, um, by fortifying a piece of paper from a book and he throws it to the wall and it's sharp enough to cut through a soda can across the room. Um, Zushi's really sad because Wayne accidentally destroyed, um, Zushi's unread book and his can of juice. Aww. So. I know. Does uh does the fortifying of the paper using it to cut look familiar to anything you've seen in the show so far? Yes. Um with oh shoot. Name name name. Hisoka. Hisoka, yeah, yeah. the cards. So Yeah, so speaking of the wrong people to learn then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so we go back to Gon and Kilua. Their next matches are just as of, as uneventful as the previous dozen they fought through. Um, still a single hit knockouts. Um, they make it to floor 200, which actually worries Wing. Um, so Gon and Kilua, they make it up the elevator and they already feel the bloodlust radiating past the dark hallway and they try pushing through and you can see they're visibly shaking and it's I don't know it feels like there's almost like a wall pushing them back and all of a sudden surprise you see that it's just the registration lady coming out into the hallway she looks super tired and she says that they have until midnight, which is four hours away, to register for a match, or else Gon has to saw all over again, and Kilua is banned from competing. Um, yeah, and she also states, um, starting from the 200th floor, all weapons are allowed, and that there's no prize money. Um, and then, da da dun double surprise, Hisoka's there, coming out of nowhere, literally. He loves, Hisoka loves biting, so, and he's stalking the boys to find out, uh, to find out where they were going via the internet. You know, nothing, you know, just a, you know, clown boy stalking some 12 year olds MVD, I guess. (laughs) You know, normal shit. Yeah. Um, Hisoka deems that they're not ready to step um, foot onto the 200th floor. Interesting note, he emits an energy that the boys defend against, but the registration girl to the side doesn't feel the effects. Um, maybe she's like casually super powerful or something, or maybe she's impervious to it and just can't sense it. Who knows? Um, Hisoka won't let them pass and uses Nen to fend them off. Um, they try to fight through it, um, but Wing stops them. Um, they're basically 
naked in a blizzard and agrees to help them out so that way they can make it through the 200th floor. Um, yeah. So then we kind of go to, um, the real lowdown of Nen, which they only have 3.5 hours to really learn. Um, so the real Nen, which is the Mind Force one, the ability to control your aura and your life energy. There's 10. The ability to build up that energy, make your body tougher, maintain youth more than the average person. And then you have Zetsu, shuts off the full flow of aura, um, effective for concealing your presence and recovering from fatigue. Then you have Ren, which enables you to produce more aura, um, the feeling of pressure if there's no malice or malice. And then if you attack a defense, a defenseless person with Melissa, it's like enough to kill them. It's like super deadly. And then you have Hatsu is also there, but it's not really mentioned in this brief lesson. Um, yeah. And so in order to protect against men, one needs to use it themselves, blocking, um, another person's aura with your own 10, like a force field. Um, Wing demonstrates the power of Nen against a defenseless wall, crushing it. Oh, I think he mentions that's Hatsu, but he doesn't explain anything more. It's just like, this is Hatsu, and you're just like, what? Mm, yeah. You no, know, Joe, it's kind of giving me vibes from a... I know it's kind of, you know, Jojo, in terms of the whole Hamon, when uh, when uh, when uh, Zeppeli was showing uh, uh, Jonathan for the first time how to use Hamon. Mm-hmm. Kind of gives me that vibe, this whole Oh, for scene. sure. It's definitely... I, in my personal opinion, like Nen is the final evolution, or at least the best one we've gotten of like Chi battle systems, mm. like in terms of like uh, intricacy and like logic. And so, like, I think he very clearly took from Hamon and is just like, and now if I expand it based on my knowledge of like traditional martial arts. Yeah, it's definitely interesting, and I'm super excited to see uh, see where it goes because I think that's one of my favorite things about JoJo's that Hamon stuff. Yeah, he also finds a way to incorporate other non-aura abilities in ways that are very interesting that we will get into much later. Wait, so aura or aura? So that's confusing because the kana that they showed is aura, like O-R-A, similar to aura, ra, ra. But like, I think that's because <laughs> Japanese doesn't have the diphthong that exists in English where, you know the word aura, A-U-R-A? That's technically aura, but no yeah. one says it that way in English. Yeah, I was just a joke, you know, aura or aura. I know, know, but I'm like, let me tell you how confusing this actually is. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, so um, I'm super hype. Uh, how how did you guys feel about it? I thought it was really good. I I like I said, I enjoyed it a lot because it sort of brought that system into there. So I definitely am really starting to enjoy these episodes. Yeah, I liked it a lot too. Um. That was really interesting. And, um, yeah, I was wondering with the, I know, um, I think Megan wrote the note. She put a note about the, um, registration lady not feeling the effect. But I feel, I also noticed that when Gon and Kiloa showed up, they kind of had that creepy feeling. I don't think it was from her. It's probably because he still goes right behind her, but it was interesting oh, yeah, how she did. Oh yeah, that's the case. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. So, 
either she is powerful, or maybe it's one of those things where she has been trained, but more like in a resistance to it. I'm just trying to think of like reasons why she wouldn't. Or alternatively, mm-hmm. her lethargy could be the result of being overwhelmed by Hisoka's Nen. Oh, that's true. Like how weird she acts. It could just be like she's about to pass out the whole time. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, she looked off, like not like any of the other um, registration ladies. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's a believable kind of like theory for sure. Yeah. Um, I like how they explain everything. Like, we do have, like, a lot of power systems in a lot of animes. Like, the reference, like, like JoJo, for example. Um, I feel like this one, it is complex, but at the same time, how they explain it is actually makes it really easy to understand. And I also like how the framework behind, like, how, you know, because you you always hear a lot of telling not showing with a lot of these um power systems and stuff in general and this one it does a good job of doing both because it's obviously show the telling part because you have Wayne explaining everything but showing as in like a really more i guess um less forced way with you know actual lesson plans that he has for Zushi and then also with like building up with how um, Kilo has sensed it with Illumi and everything, and then with Sushi. So I think it's really cool how they're slowly, like, showcasing this power system without it just being like, yeah, this is it! This is how it is! In, like, a 20-minute bit, and then from there you just have to assume and know all about it. Like, you're slowly learning more about it as the episodes go on, and I think that's that's pretty refreshing with a lot of these kind of battle animes to be honest yeah no i i really like the way that it's shown off like um for instance even at the end of this arc you don't know all the even you know the core mechanics you don't know the advanced mechanics and they wait until a later tutorial session to like where they like meet another master basically to learn like the advanced mechanics of nen mm-hmm. it's cool <laughs> cool all right yeah <laughs> sick bro yeah this is a lot of info like this like this whole thing was a huge info dump that i think i need we need to all sort of take in and sort of process as the series goes on yeah they they let the manga rest on it for a couple years before they go to the advanced section which is like actually really cool because they meet people who know the advanced techniques but they themselves don't learn them because they're just like uh we're kids (laughs) yeah i was really confused in, in this so i need to by this whole system, as I'm not really as familiar with some some of those concepts that I that I've that you know all you guys probably learned is sort of the martial arts and things of that nature. Mm. I, need, I need to make an infographic about this. Yeah, we're gonna need <laughs> some I slides, some like uh, diagrams. Oh, you'll get some in the manga. <laughs> There's parts where he just has like you know that fucking power hexagon that shows up in a lot of like anime. Yeah, yeah. It has the power hexagon, and then like him doing percentage calculations. It's like, all right, cool. <laughs> so I mean, we get some gonna perfect EV some uh, characters. <laughs> there is like one character in the show who I think has perfect EVs, but anyways. Gotcha. Um, yeah, Patrick, if you want to take away with the manga. All right, the mango notes, all right? Uh, so what I thought was funny was there's this, uh, this this panel where it's, like, super cut into being a ton of those contenders. Like, it's a just, fucking AMV. Yeah, it's, it's like, as those contenders, like, just written in across their chest. 
Uh, Killua compares Ren Hatsu to sort of more bluffing, so sort of just like a fake out. Uh, he also determined uh, immediately that uh, that that the wing was lying about Nen, or at least misleading them at the least. How how is that shown? Because I think the way that it's shown in ninety nine and twenty eleven is different. So how did they demonstrate this? Basically, he demonstrated the the techniques, and then it supercuts Killua saying he's lying and saying, "Well, maybe lying or misleading us in a way that that it doesn't seem right." Okay, so it's in a separate scene though. Like he's saying yeah, this to, to it's go. It's him on. walking okay. down the street with a skateboard with a okay. gun. So oh, nice. um, and then uh, one of the things that I I'm not sure. Oh, I don't think we hit that part where it's uh, basically uh, Hizoka throwing cards into the wall waiting for Killua and Gone. I think they eventually show that in 2011, but they might show it in the next episode, so it's just I cut gotcha. slightly differently. I got you. Okay, so that's probably probably what happened. Um, uh, one of the things is there. there's also uh, another, uh, the About Titles section like we had before about Level E. So I'll read that. So basically, um, I'll read that. This wasn't its initial title either. When I got the go-ahead, I only had one episode worth of the story. I'd planned to have a different protagonist every episode, or every story arc, since it was about aliens. I had to call it Alien Crisis, but was told it sounded too straightforward, so I came up with Level E. The reason? I just rented a movie titled Level 4, and that was the only reason. <laughs> also, the E was supposed to stand for Alien, but then my editor pointed out that Alien is spelled with an A, so I came up with a lame excuse. I thought, lame excuse. I was thinking of extraterrestrial, by the way. My story <laughs> skills earned me 7 out of 200 total points on the Japanese first stage achievement test in English. Jesus Christ. Okay, so that explains a lot because later there are some times where he tries his own romanizations of Hunter Hunter characters and they're insane to anyone who speaks English. Like, <laughs> there's a character later whose name is Crollo, but he spelled it like, oh, it's a Q-W-Y-R-L-P. <laughs> it's just like, how did you come to this conclusion? Yeah, uh, it's always funny seeing that, but yeah, definitely, uh, I think Togashi's definitely... Uh, brush up on some of his English skills. No offense, of course. I, I can see how he would guess E, because alien, if you say it, sounds like alien, as opposed to alien, because yeah. he's, like, assuming English is phonetic, but it's like, guess what? It's not. Nope. Our language is fucked up and hard. Yep. Congra congrats, and we have 12 different meanings for one word, so have fun with that. To be fair, Japanese people are used to that, too. I guess I think my favorite example is the bison. The bison uh, a sentence, buffalo or buffalo sentence. Yeah, yeah. That one's Got probably it. my favorite example of the English difficulties. But <laughs> nice. uh, anyways, you want to go into the ninety nine notes and buffalo those buffaloes out, buffalo. Yep. Okay. So this is the reason I asked Patrick that question regarding how they showed the lie because in nineteen ninety nine they actually do something really fucking cool that I don't think exists in the either. Uh, either of the other two versions, where it shows the three boys watching, like, Wing's presentation, and Zushi's expression slowly changes as he realizes that Wing is lying, because, like, you know, Zushi actually knows this stuff, and he's just like, mm -hmm. something's off, and then Kilua, like, right after, like, his expression, right after uh, Zushi's expression changes, Kilua gets, like, subtly angry, but gone the whole time, was just like, oh my god, like, he looks more and more wide-eyed, like, he's believing everything, he's like, oh yeah, this is right. And then, like, then it goes outside, and Kua's like, he was fucking lying, dude. <laughs> so good. Like, I actually really like that shot, and I wish they had, like, done it again for 2011. 
Um, but in the 99 version, I'm not sure if this is in the manga or not, but you know how the first chart he shows is in Wing's, like, really shitty chicken scratch? Like, you know, him writing characters using, like, a dry erase marker? Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. second one is one that he pulls out from behind it, which is actually written in, like, good bl- brushstroke calligraphy, like, as if someone else wrote it, because I don't think Wing's calligraphy is that good. So I do like that it's more like, oh, that was the bullshit one, here's the real one. Um, And it spends a lot less time explaining the meanings of each character, because in the 99 version it was made explicitly for a Japanese audience, so they're like, no, you fucking know what this character means, we don't need to explain this. <laughs> and, uh even though in the manga they did explain it because I think they wanted to make the explanation very clear there. They drew uh, Kana over the... They drew Furigana over the uh, characters to make it clear which which reading you were supposed to use. But um, here, Kilua insults the elevator woman's looks because... <laughs> I don't know. He's just saying that she looks older than she is and she beats the <laughs> shit out of the two of them. It's like just like a pointless filler scene. I don't know exactly why it's there. <laughs> Does she um, also turn to a statue and the guy starts screaming to get out of the stream? No, but wow, that is really weird <laughs> that that, that kind of works. <laughs> but um, here, Hisoka shows up uh, pretty for the first time in the, 90, in the 99 series, because before this, he was using the old manga art where he was like the shitty looking, like the not pretty looking Hisoka with blue hair. Now he's finally shown up with red hair and is pretty. He finally updated his clown makeup budget. Yeah, they basically like made him look the way that he'll look for the rest of forever. Gotcha. Yeah, so um, I'm going to say for this for this section, I really prefer the manga because it goes out of its way to really explain the differences between uh, the characters, which we'll get into on our next episode. Um, but that's kind of... I think this is where Hunter Hunter gets kind of this uh, reputation for, like, if you're reading the manga, prepare to, like, take some notes. How did that feel... For those of you who only watch the anime, like, does it kind of, is it starting to, like, veer that way? Like, you know, you kind of want to, like, rewind and, like, review? Or, like, were you able to look up supplementary notes online? Or how did you kind of deal with the difference between Nen and Nen and f- and the four fake exercises and the four real exercises? I mean, I got the concept of it, but even reading the manga, it's still kind of confusing. You need some cracks and books, for sure. I'm just yeah, taking it for what it is at the moment. <laughs> I definitely needed to either rewatch some scenes and also look online just to understand. Yeah, so I definitely had to kind of look and free read supplemental materials just to make sense of it. Um, yeah, uh, it is. It is really interesting how it's split up, and it's almost like there's subcategories of each type. And then it gets more complicated from there. So, <laughs> I don't know. It, it makes sense. It would take, um, it would take like a lifetime to master. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was speaking with um Ramy from Say the X, and we were talking about how in an alternate universe we feel like uh like Togashi should have been a game designer because like the level of detail he goes into mechanics feels like he could have just made a video game. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'd I'd be very curious to analyze that more in depth, but that we'll have to do that later when like the mechanics are more laid bare or else I'll be spoiling a ton of shit for you guys. Um 
Yeah, so I guess I mentioned um, next week we're going to be dissecting Nen uh, a bit more closely, looking at the characters and also the mechanics. Um, so if you're a bit confused now, don't worry, we'll try to clarify that in a bit. Uh, but for me, that's all I got for this set of episodes. How about you guys? Um, I really like, yeah, I think that's it, though. I just really like the pace change. Not even a pace change. I really like just, like, the this whole arc and how it's coming to be. It's kind of like, though I do miss Kurapika and the Oreo, um, it's really fun just seeing, like, Gon and um, Kiloa and, like, I, it's just really fun seeing their interaction and everything, so, and, like, these new characters and everything, so, that's one thing I really like about Hunter Hunter, it's, like, a huge cast, it's, like, significantly bigger than, like, Yu Hakusho, even, but it's really fun, because even though you don't, you kind of get to see, like, them interact with different characters more, that, so, I, I really like it, it's refreshing. I guess on the cast size thing, I I look at like sort of cast size on like a continuum between Yu Hakusho where it's like a very small core cast and like mm-hmm. Naruto where it's like a giant cast, many of whom never show up again. Like where do you place it on that continuum? Because I place um, it more towards Yu Hakusho, but still pretty beyond Yu Hakusho's initial gambit. I, w- I would say in, the b- in between, like um, mainly because you're right with naruto they would show up and it's like a one time at least now you know um a majority of the characters let's say with like last season oh my gosh i just i'm gonna be so bad with the names but a lot of the um like with the food arc the girl um menchi menchi she appeared a couple times you kind of i think the main difference is that you kind of see them more as like like, I guess, characters rather than ensemble, because you get to mm. have a lot more interaction with the main characters, and it has more depth in that in that way, um, even if their time is short. So I think that's, like, the main difference. And I feel like that obviously is going to continue, because I'm sure they're going to travel to different places and, you know, meet up with different people and whatnot, so... Cool, cool. Sarah, yeah. how about you? Um, I feel pretty similar. I think these episodes were a nice change. Um, like, I do miss Karapika and Liario, too. But it's nice to see Gon and Kilawa get to interact and kind of face, like, a different challenge than what they were going through in the Hunter exam. Um, I also feel the same like the in terms of the cast itself like there's always going to be like the main cast and the supporting characters and i think here even though you don't really know really much about the background story for the supporting characters their personalities are very distinct um in a way that doesn't feel and it doesn't feel like very archetypal either so they don't really feel too cliche just like enough to be like you can kind of tell like who they are like who and um they not only like serve the story but they also just bring i think a little bit of personality to it too so it makes it more enjoyable to watch so it's not just like going through the motions of a typical tournament arc you're actually like watching a story unfold if that makes any sense so 
yeah, um, I really enjoyed these past two episodes so far, and I'm curious to see what else will happen with this arc. Yeah, good shit. Yeah, no, this is one of my favorite arcs, and it's, um, I think Megan's put forth the idea that I don't like training arcs before, and, like, to some degree she's right, but I think this one's a major exception for me because it's, like, opening up the world to you. Like, before we were recording the podcast, I was thinking, like, oh, this is the equivalent episode of, like, in Yu Hakusho, well, the first episode of these is the equivalent episode of, like, when Yusuke first wakes up from being dead, and then, like, the second episode might be, like, when he meets Genkai. In terms of just, like, him starting to understand things. Yeah. yeah. For sure. So, yeah, we could definitely, at a later time, let's talk about, like, why it maybe took so long to get to this point in this version versus how it was structured in New Hawk Show. Because I, I think it's maybe worse for it, but, like, I can definitely understand um, opinions to the contrary. So, I don't know. But, yeah, uh, Sarah, you want to take us out? Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to The Spirit Hunters. Please hit us up with questions, requests, or just to chat with us at our Facebook at The Spirit Hunter Pod and at our Twitter at The Spirit Hunter Pod. Today's intro was made by Studio Mega Arnie. Joe forgot to say that in the notes, so check them out on YouTube and iTunes. That's Studio M-E-G-A-A-N-E. If you enjoy the show and want to find a way to introduce it to other people, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you, wherever you listen. Um, the algorithm determines our ability to be discovered, and your review could put us over the edge. Alright, and that's it. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. ただのことばだけが一つ溶け出して君に染みてゆくこの太陽は夜も輝いて導く幻が
I call 